Welcome to Fellowship Sunday night. Would y'all stand and sing with us? i 
Sunday nights. My name is Garland, and as one of our creative initiatives that we've been uh, participating in this semester, we've got a couple of poems tonight that we'd love just to share with you. And so one of our college seniors wrote this poem, and Allie's going to read it for you right now. Spirit weak, soul unclean, body trembling in fear. What hope could lie in front of closed eyes in a calling so unclear? Future unknown, past uninspired, present with comforts to keep. What joy could be from choosing to leave? These comforts, they do not come cheap. Hope beyond grave, joy without condition, redemption for all who ask. How faithful he must be, that perfect God of peace. To this suffering world, he'll come back. Spirit bold, soul set free body made innocent and new. When he comes, this he'll bring. Oh, that perfect God of peace. For what he says, oh, surely he'll do. Give her a hand for reading it and the person who wrote it a hand for writing it. Um, she, we read it earlier and, and we were practicing in here and I was like, that's really good. Um, and so uh, keep, keep bringing your worship, whatever that looks like. It's not just singing songs in here. Uh, keep, let's explore ways that we can rejoice in the goodness of God. And so uh, what I'd like to do right now is we're going to sing a song. In a minute, we're gonna, I'm going to have you stand and say hi to each other. But uh, before we do that, uh, I, I want to explain the words of this song we're about to sing. Uh, the chorus, it says this statement. It says, you are faithful and all your promises are yes and amen. And I've had lots of people ask me, like, what is going on here? What does that mean? And uh, it actually comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So the Apostle Paul, in writing a letter to this church in modern-day Greece, uh, he's, he's reflecting on some of the things going on in that church. And it's almost like he can't contain himself in thinking about the big story of the Bible. And here it is, that God has created this universe for his glory and our joy, and yet because of the selfishness and greed and brokenness of the human condition that we call sin, we find ourselves stuck and enslaved to all the hurts and wounds and baggage that we walk in here with. I don't know about you, but the Bible story is basically this. God, the creator of the universe, he didn't give up on the human condition. He's got a, he's got a plan, and he's gonna make promise after promise after promise after promise in the Old Testament. And as if these promises get more and more and more specific. So it's like, how can God fulfill all of this? 
And what the New Testament says is all those promises, they come true in Jesus. The, pro the answer to the problem of sin, the hope for redemption, the rescue of the world, all those promises, they come due in Jesus. He's the answer to this thousands of years old story. When we say yes and amen, the Hebrew word amen, it means trustworthy, true. And when we say that, we're saying, Lord, you are faithful. Yes, you are. And I buy it. I trust it. And I'm going to live like it. That's what we're saying when we sing these words. And so uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, you can go look it up later. Before we sing it, uh, I would just invite you right now, COVID-friendly. Stand up, greet the people around you, give them like a fist bump if you can, say what's up, and we'll sing it in a second. We're so glad you're here. Let's stand and greet each other. As we sing this song, remind yourself the faithfulness of God seen in the person of Jesus and for the ways that he's been faithful in your life, for the ways that you can trust him in your life, for the ways that he's come through for you in your life, intersecting those promises with you. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room, let's turn now and respond to his goodness and his grace. Think about these words as we sing. Let's sing. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but sing. Sing it out, faith.
say this together, I will rest. And I will rest in your promises, my confidence is your faithfulness. And I will rest in your promises, my confidence. And oh, is your answer to the promises that the story of Scripture stacks on top of each other. You're the answer to the problem of sin. You're the victorious one. You're the one through whom we have life and life everlasting. You are the one that has removed in front of us the obstacle that is in our way. And so we look to you and we hope in you. We trust you, Jesus. We love you. Would you meet us here tonight? Pray this in your name. Amen. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they fall. But you have never failed me. For change to come, knowing the battles for you have never failed me. Your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed me 
Still in your 
Brothers and sisters, let us remember our sanctification, how we are set apart in holiness, covered by the blood of the Lamb, and invited to the throne of grace. Our Creator's design is not finished. His hands continue His righteous work. Our spirits cleanse, our souls forgiven, our bodies restored, all made blameless in His radical love. Let us remember our sanctification. May we claim it for God's glory. May we cry out, look, my father is never done with me. In faithfulness, he remains with us. In perfect peace, he corrects our path. Let us take every step in confidence of our guide. And in our weariness and suffering, when all feels covered in darkness, May we turn to the miracle of our salvation for hope. May we worship God's steadfast impression on our lives, amazed that he listens to us, even in the desert, that he fills his covenant, even in our rebellion, that his son will return for us soon. And as we wait, we remember. Getting tangled up in my mask here with this. I'm literally stuck. Hold on. <laughs> I'll get out of it, guys. This is a great start, huh? Hey, I'm Tad. Like, <laughs> it's just stuck. Hold on. <laughs> I'm uh, what a loser. Golly. All right, I'm free. I'm just going to walk back up. Hey, uh, hey! my name's Tad. I serve on the staff here with our student ministry team, like 7th through 12th graders. And uh, I'm from Northwest Arkansas, grew up in Rogers. <laughs> Thank you. Come on. Rogers. War Eagle? Nani? Okay. Yeah. Then I went to the U of A. Go Hogs. Uh, uh, and now I work here. And I'm really excited to get to... to teach tonight and share with you guys this last passage of 1 Thessalonians. If you've got your Bible and you want to read along with us and see it, uh, I'd love for you to open up uh, however you've got the Bible. We're going to be in chapter 5, verses 12 through 28. Um, I got to share an update because I, I recently became a dad and I've got a, oh, what is that? What are these? Those are my slides. Here we go. We good? There he is. That's my boy. That's Holden, my wife, Christian. And I'm going to be the fawning dad and just show pictures of my kid for a second because it's really fun. I love taking pictures of his little face. He's a little chunky guy right there. This one over here is my favorite, though. He, we recently watched all the Harry Potter movies again. Anybody familiar with these films? Uh, he looks like the mandrake or that plant or whatever. A few people are with me here. 
looks a lot like it, but that's my son Holden. He's awesome, and I love him. Uh, and if you guys are watching at home, babe, maybe my wife Christian is watching with him. He can't hear me because he's a baby, but I, I know they're watching and they're with us. So, um, hey, so last week, we're going to get back on track here, all right? The mask thing really screwed me up, just being a transparent moment, but now we're back, all right? First Thessalonians chapter five. Last week, Garland talked about the power of hope. And it was really inspirational and exciting. Uh, this, this calling we have as believers, uh, that what we get to be a part of, looking at the passage, uh, I mean, just thinking about it. You are children of the light, children of the day. This hope that we have in Christ, that he will return for us. Look at this. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. Let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. This exciting, inspirational hope that we have in Jesus. Uh, it should motivate us, inspire us. Uh, that, that armor that we get to put on, references Isaiah. Uh, it's God's armor that we get to wear as believers as we go out into the world. And, and, and it seems like Paul has this idea that we should be like little communities of light uh, that are signal posts of this great light and this great kingdom that's coming. And that churches, these small communities of people who have placed their hope and faith in Jesus, begin to be like these little outposts of his kingdom giving little expressions of his love and glory that are about to come and be revealed in full. And that should excite us. That should be really motivating and inspirational, right? You guys like being inspired? I love being inspired. I love hope. I think it's great. Uh, I love movies that have like inspirational moments in them. Uh, you know, I feel like, especially like in maybe the 90s and early 2000s, there was like this trend of really macho movies, uh, usually like a, a war or like sports, where somebody would suddenly pause and give this great inspirational speech and it would be like really motivational and awesome and we remember these quotes. I've made a list of my favorite. Um, I, Independence Day, have you guys seen this? It's aliens are in it, so it, that, it makes the top five anyway. Miracles, one of my favorite sports movies of all time. Braveheart, what guy hasn't memorized that? You know, screaming freedom. You trade all the moments from this day to that to come back and tell them they may take our lives but they will never take our freedom. It's awesome. Coach Boone, and remember the Titans, nothing's cooler than running a group of high schoolers out to a graveyard and giving them an inspirational speech, right? But I love Gladiator. It takes my number one spot because uh, it's just awesome. It's Russell Crowe, you know. Have you guys seen the movie, anybody? Here we go. Yeah, this big reveal moment. The emperor, it's like, who are you? It's like, I know you're gonna know him. He turns around, he's got the helmet, takes the helmet off. He tried to kill him earlier in the film. It's him, he's come back for vengeance. You know it. Those of you who know me are probably surprised because I love Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's no secret, and you're like, how did none of those speeches in those movies make the top five's list? Surprise, they would have taken all five spots, so I made a separate list specifically for those speeches. Here they are in order. Working up the chain, it's, I'll, give, I'll give my reason why King Theoden's speech is the most inspirational, even though you would think it would be Aragorn at the Black Gate, and Aragorn is my favorite character, but I've thought about this more than you, I promise. <laughs> I'm right here. 
What is more inspirational than King Theoden in front of thousands of men on horseback and one woman and one hobbit? Yelling. We're going to ride up there. Spears will be splintered. Shields will be broken. A sword day. A red day. Ride to ruin and the world's ending. Death. 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 And they just run into this sea of orcs to certain death. He inspired thousands of people to just charge into a sea of enemies. That's why it's the most inspirational because I've never been able to inspire somebody that much. He chanted death and they followed him. He wins. We love being inspired. We love being inspired and uh, I think there's something though that happens in me after these moments of like, Yes, the inspirational speeches are awesome. Yes, we need to be inspired with hope. But at some point, I reach the matter of like, but practically, what do we do? You know, like, there's quotes like this. Maybe you've seen it. Um, I can't pronounce his name. It's French. Um, He says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. And you're like, that's beautiful. That's poetic. And I'd love to go sailing, but I've never built a boat before. And now while I feel inspired, I still need you to teach me how to do that. Right? What do we do? What do we do? And maybe you have reached a point like that in your spiritual life where you, you know it's true and you feel inspired by the hope in Jesus. And yet practically, daily, what do we do? I joke with Garland a lot because he's very, um, he's a very inspired individual. And he often has all these great big ideas. He's like, what if we could do this? What if we could go out and change this about Fayetteville in the world? And I'm like, yes, yes. But Garland, practically, give me a plan. Tell me what to do. Show me and I'll do it. I feel like I've often reached points even with God where I'm like, God, I want to be obedient to you. I want to follow you. I'm excited about you. I love you. But I just, God, I wish you would just tell me, what do I do in this moment right now? I'm trying to trust you, but tell me what to do. Uh, I know that even in other parts of life, like, I don't know, driving, when you first began to drive, you were so inspired, just cruising down the road, having so much fun waving at people, and then you got your first flat, and you're like, I wasn't prepared for this. I had all this hope about driving, and now it's shattered because I don't know what to do in this moment. We just felt that, me and my wife, very much with our baby. <laughs> like, we're in the hospital, and we actually had to stay in the NICU for like 11 days because Holden was dealing with some breathing problems. And we were so hopeful about getting home. We just kept thinking every day, just a few more days, and then we'll get to go home. A few more days, and we'll get to be home, and we can really experience parenthood at home. And then it came the day to leave the hospital. Put him in his little car seat and walked outside and got in the car, and then we walked inside our house, and we were like, what do we do? How do we keep it alive? It's crying, and there's no nurses to help us anymore. We're calling our friend Carly, who's a nurse at the NICU, and we're like, can you come home with us? Help? What do we do? We need instructions sometimes, and I think Paul anticipates this in his letter because he has this big inspirational moment uh, where he's telling them, like, remember, you're children of the day. We're children of the light. Let's go out there and change the world. And then he's going to 
end his letter, though, by giving them a lot of instructions because he knows that hope does inspire us, but hope also instructs us in how to live. When we have a view, a clear hope of the end and how this is all going to turn out, uh, yes, it fills our hearts with faith and love and hope, and yet it also should change our day-to-day lives. And if we're living in view of that end, what do we do today? How do we live today? Last week, uh, Garland's talk was called The Power of Hope. Uh, and, and today, we want to look at the, the practice of hope. What do we do practically? How do we live out the hope that we say we have in Christ? And so what I want to do, I want to I read through this passage. And let's look at it, because there's a lot of instructions here. And it kind of feels a little bit overwhelming at first. But, but let's read through it, and let's see, because he's got so many instructions. It's like hope has an instruction manual all of a sudden. And let, let's read it, okay? Uh, I'll start in verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, acknowledge those who labor over you and preside over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem those most highly in love because of their work. Okay, so let's respect our leaders. Uh, Be at peace among yourselves. All right, let's be peace. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, admonish the undisciplined, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient toward all, see that no one pays back evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Okay, that was a lot. Always rejoice, constantly pray, and everything give thanks. That seems impossible. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't extinguish the spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Examine all things. Hold fast to what is good. Stay away from every form of evil. And then he's gonna pause to pray really quick. Now may the God of peace himself make you completely holy, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept entirely blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is trustworthy. He will, in fact, do this. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. I call on you solemnly in the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Anybody else get lost? It's a lot of instructions, right? How do we keep track of all of that? Somebody probably tuned out after like be at peace among yourselves and then clued back in whenever it said kiss each other. (laughs) Guys, great, great opportunity for a pickup line there. Just trying to be obedient to scripture, babe. Sorry, don't, don't say that. Girls, if a guy says that to you, slap him. Break up with him. Don't listen to a guy like that. I would never do that. It feels overwhelming. There's a lot of commands here, and, 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 and it's easy to maybe get lost in that. And, and also, it's a little bit uncomfortable because you're like, well, I thought, I thought they said Christianity wasn't just a, a, a list of do's and don'ts. But Paul just gave us a list of do's and don'ts. But again, it's, it's not about that. Remember, we've talked about the fact that we are, we are caught up in Jesus. We've already been saved by him. And he's talking to the, the Thessalonians here. And so because we have that hope, live in this way. Uh, there's four particular commands that stick out to me in this passage um, that, that I want to I hone in on. I think they kind of encapsulate the heart behind all the rest uh, because of their ongoing nature. And it's, it's these. Do good to everyone always. He says that. Don't be back evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all, for everyone. Always seek good for others. Always rejoice. Constantly pray. In everything, give thanks. Again, those sound impossible, right? How can we ever always do those all the time? And I think Paul knows that. He's trying to help us develop. Hey, this is though 
a framework for how you should live. This is a lifestyle of hope. This is what hope looks like, the power of hope in you displayed if you live this way. And think about that. Let's, let's think through the lens of the Thessalonians. They're this small community of people in this city full of idolatry that doesn't understand them, thinks they're crazy for saying that they believe that this Jewish guy rose from the dead and is apparently a big deal in the Jewish community. He's their Messiah King, and apparently he's also the king of the entire world. They're a little weirded out by them. They're maybe even a little bit threatened by them because that sounds a little bit subversive against Rome, and they don't want to get in trouble with Rome. They're not going along with the idolatry of the city, so like, do they, do they care about the other people in Thessalonica? Or are they just kind of this other thing over here, and yet they're beginning to face all this hostility, and this is what Paul tells them to do. Even though they're against you, even though they're opposed to you, do good to everyone. Don't pay back evil for evil. Specifically, we think about Jason, who, whose house they were meeting in. And Jason was probably under a lot of pressure. He was the one that went to the city leaders whenever Paul was causing so much commotion and, and, and paid bonds so that Paul could escape. And the city officials watching him, probably every day, kind of keeping threats on him. If that Paul guy comes back, we're gonna kill him. If you know anything about him, you better tell us. Maybe we'll kill you too. Yet do good to those people. And yet in the face of all that hostility, rejoice always. Pray constantly and give thanks for your circumstances, or in all circumstances. What would that have looked like? Well, that's, that should be evidence that their hope is pretty serious, right? That their hope that, that Jesus is the true king and will one day come back to rule and reign in all the earth and, and that they would continue to keep that joy in him, that they believe it that much that even when facing persecution, they would continue to rejoice. Maybe, that's, maybe there's something going on there that's real. They seem content. They give thanks in all circumstances. They're adhering to this sexual ethic where they're faithful to their, to their spouse and they don't, they don't go to the temple anymore and have sex with prostitutes as an act of worship to Aphrodite. And they seem content in that way. They, they are working really hard and sharing with those in need and yet they seem content even though they're not getting all of this extra resources and building up wealth for themselves. They're working for the good of the community and yet they seem content. What do they have that I don't? That they have hope in Christ that they have everything they could ever need in God. Why do these things, why do these, as ongoing practices, why would this display hope? And how could we live that way? Well, when things are good, it's a lot easier to do good to everyone always, right? But what about when things are hard? See, the world says that we should just do good to others when it will benefit us, Right? The world says, yeah, rejoice, celebrate whenever things are good. I don't know about prayer in the world, but I think everybody at least wants to connect with something out there, right? Give thanks whenever things are going your way. 
Keep striving to be content in all the things that you need or the things that you want. And how powerful would it look for someone to live this way all the time? When I was um, in college, uh, I lived with some guys, and uh, we were trying to be believers. I'm trying to. And, and it was difficult because uh, a few of us were believers in this house, and a few of us were not, a few of them were not. And, and yet, uh, we were trying so hard, us believers, failing to live this way, and yet knowing, hey, if we can live this way, maybe we'll be able to express our hope to them. And one of the guys in the house, after everybody had moved out, um, he stayed behind, and everybody left. And he said he just spent hours cleaning up the house to try to get back the deposit. And the house was a wreck. <laughs> like it, it had been totally abused the entire year. Uh, the fraternity we were in, often used it for parties, and so he said he was cleaning beer stains off the ceiling and yet working for hours because he wanted to get the deposit back. And, and afterwards, he, he told me, he said, I, I wanted to just keep all the money for myself. Dad, but, but it felt like the Spirit was telling me, you need to give that back to everyone, even the guys that totally abandoned you and didn't help you clean up. Do good to everyone always. And he said as he did that, that it opened up an opportunity with those non-believers in the house. Why would you do this, man? We just, we just kind of left. We knew we weren't gonna get the money back. Like, forget it. And yet he's sending them a check back. And they're so surprised by that. Why would you do good to us? Like, we, we left you. They didn't immediately turn and, and, and praise Jesus in that moment, but it, it created a sense of respect between them, and he got to continue loving them and doing good to them, even those that didn't do good to him. Because again, it's so much easier to do good to those who do good to us. But what about those against us? What about those that aren't easy to love? And he did it because of the hope he had in Jesus, that it's the right thing to do. What does it look like to rejoice always? Uh, there was a guy that mentored me in college, um, his name was Richard Nelson. And one time we were just walking on campus. We were like right kind of there in front of Old Main Lawn. Or yeah, in front of Old Main, walking down a senior walk. And what struck me in that moment of seeing this, this older man, this believer, is that he, we were just talking, we are catching up. And he stops me all of a sudden. He looks down and he sees all these names on the walk. And he's like, Dad, how cool is it that God knows every single one of these people? knows their names, their stories, everything about them. That's just awesome. And then he just kept walking. And I'm like, what? That was like the most profound thing I've ever heard. And yet it was, seemed so casual for him. And I'm just seeing this older man, this, this believer who I think is trying to live out this lifestyle. And it filled me with hope. It, it compounded and, and spread. When we pray without ceasing, I think it's, it's easy for us to kind of like attach our, um, our idea of prayer that maybe we, we've come up with, of like prayer is always just like sitting in your closet and bowing your head and 
and, and folding your hands and trying really, really hard to focus on God for like 30 minutes or two minutes. And, and, and yet I think we need to break that a little bit because pray without ceasing doesn't, like, we're not gonna be able to do that all the time. I don't think Jesus wants us to sit in a closet and pray all the time. He wants us to be out meeting with people and talking to them and engaging in our communities, right? I had a friend that, that I worked with uh, in, in college. We worked as houseboys in one of the sorority houses and, and he, he had read this passage actually and he, and he was washing dishes one night and he's like, Ted, the Bible says pray without ceasing. And that, I think that's possible. We can talk to God whenever. And I was like, that's, I feel like I knew that, right? Like, we, we, knew, we know that. And yet he was so excited about it. Yeah, we can just talk to God. Like, we can start talking with him whenever we want to in the day. We can build intimacy with him. We can talk to him. We can listen to him. He's accessible to us because of what Jesus did. How incredible is that? And that was paradigm shifting for me. And I began to try to practice that because oftentimes, again, I, I have trouble, like, focusing in prayer. I have P-I-A-D-D, you know, prayer-induced attention deficit disorder. That was a stupid joke. Maybe you have it too. Um, and yet again, let's break that idea of prayer is always just sitting quietly by yourself, trying really hard to focus on God. And it, it's, it's, it is that because it develops intimacy with him and it's the way we depend on him whenever we need help, whenever we need God, we can go to him and say, Father, I need you. And that cultivates that dependence and that faith in us. And yet also, prayer is a way that we, we pledge our allegiance to him that we remind ourselves that he is good and we align ourselves with his will and what he's doing in the world. Maybe you've been taught the Lord's Prayer um, that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, you're holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done, God. On earth as it is in heaven, I want this place, my community, to begin to feel like heaven where you're present. And I know that I can play a part in that. Let me align myself with what you're doing. Give us this day our daily bread. Let me depend on you for what I need and not want more. Let me align myself with your provision that I don't give way to greed. Forgive me for my trespasses and help me have the same power to forgive those that have wronged me. Let me align myself with God's love and his forgiveness for sinners. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. God, let me align myself with what you're doing and devote myself to you that's that prayer constantly. We can constantly do that. When we wake up, remind ourselves. When we talk to God, I wanna, I wanna be a part of what you're doing, Lord. Help me to do that. And I think that it's really powerful in this passage that this isn't meant to be done alone. Because I look at this list, and I don't know about you, and I kind of get overwhelmed. I'm like, I don't think I could do that by myself. And we're not intended to. Everything about this passage is family-oriented. Five times, he says, brothers and sisters, Adelphos, family. We're part of this together. I might not always be able to do good all the time, and yet when my brothers and sisters in Christ help encourage me to, even whenever it's hard, I might not be able to rejoice always, but when I spend time with other believers in places like this where we're singing God's praises, then I'm reminded of how good God is. And we're singing those songs that we just sang. Faithful you are, God, always. All your promises are yes and amen. I can trust in that. I can remember that. When I don't feel like praying, we can pray together. When I don't feel thankful, I can be reminded by my community that I have so much to be thankful for in Christ. We had a staff meeting not long ago, and, and, and uh, Jimmy 
uh, Cook, a guy on staff, told us, you know, isn't it interesting that when you practice thankfulness, when you do it, you begin to feel it. And oftentimes the action precedes the feeling. And we spent time just going around. What are some things you're thankful for? And as we sat and we spoke it out loud, it's interesting that I, I began to feel fuller. I do have gratitude for those things. And it took just speaking it in community with each other and sharing our gratitude. Uh, this entire passage again, all of those yous are plural. God is going to sanctify you all through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls y'all is faithful. He will do it. This is meant to be done together. And I think a cool uh, place in this, in this letter where he does that, where he puts that on display of that communal aspect of this lifestyle of hope on display is back in chapter three, uh, he said uh, this about the Thessalonians. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. All four of those actions seen the thankfulness, the joy, the prayer, that we could supply what is lacking, that we could do good to you. Isn't it interesting that, that he's putting that in practice by caring about other people's spiritual development? Maybe those of you who have, have begun to care about other people learning about the hope that you have in Jesus, and you begin to take a serious interest in their spiritual growth, and you begin to invest in them, you have someone to pray for. You're praying for them, that they would keep growing. When you see them do well, you're excited and you feel the joy and you can thank God for that. And then you're motivated to continue helping them grow. This is best done in community. And this hopeful living makes us holy together. But again, it's still, how can we always live like that? It feels impossible, right? I don't know how we could always live that way. And yet this is what's so special about it. As we look back at the passage, we see as soon as he said, always do good, always rejoice, constantly pray, and everything give thanks, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I know oftentimes we see things like, this is God's will, and it feels like this really lofty thing of like, how could I ever live up to that? That's God's will. And it's got a churchy speech. Instead, think of this is God's desire for you. God wants you to be able to be this way. And, and so God's not setting this in immeasurably high bar for us to jump over to try to, uh, to impress him. Wow, Tad was really thankful today. Tad prayed 10 times today. There was a few more than yesterday. He's getting closer to constantly without ceasing. No, it's not like that. It's God is on your side in this. It's his will for you in Christ Jesus. It's why Jesus came and lived and died and rose from the grave so that we could be made holy, so that he could come and dwell with us, that this world could be all that he intended it to be and humans could step back into that role to be his image bearers, doing good in creation on God's behalf. 
rejoicing and praising God and taking his glory out into the rest of creation, praying, enjoying intimacy with God and creation because he dwells with us, having thankfulness, being fully satisfied and content because God is with us and supplies all our needs and has given us everything we need for life. That is where we're headed. And so we begin to live that way now, and it's God's will. He wants it for us. He's working it inside of us. That's why Paul prays that prayer. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And look at this. If you want to know, is it possible? The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. God will work this hope and faith and love out in you. If you continue to trust in him and follow him, believe on him, be loyal to him, he is working that out in you. I mean it, if we, if we would believe in him enough to try to put these things into practice, if you would just begin to take one small step how could I do good next? How could I rejoice today in this moment? I'm gonna remind myself to keep praying and aligning myself with what God is doing. What can I be thankful for today? I think we'd be surprised at how it would begin to feel more natural. And this process of sanctification, of God making us holy, would be realized. Not because we're good at it. Not because you're really good at doing good deeds or, or, or praying a lot. You're really disciplined and thankful all the time. No, because the Spirit of God is dwelling in you and God is working out your salvation, making you more and more holy because he's on his way because he wants to dwell with us. And again, not just individually, but this community he wants to do with us because as this letter has really put on display, God has invited us into his family. And this is a family of faith and hope and love. And we can begin to realize that now, but it's going to be so much sweeter when Jesus returns and we can live with him this way face to face forever. We pray for us. Father, you're good and you're faithful. And Lord, we believe that you are working this out on us, that you do intend to make us holy, our entire spirit and soul and body, to keep us blameless for the coming of Lord Jesus. So Lord, would you move in us and empower us to do good even to those who are against us, so that they will see your love, God, that you love even your enemies as you've loved us. Would you empower us to rejoice always, that we would always find little things that we can send up praise to you for. Spirit, motivate us to pray often and always. We would constantly be reminded to align ourselves with what you're doing and to step into your work. God, we have so much to be thankful for.
And so would you fill our hearts with gratitude and would that, would that move us to be generous towards other people because we're fully content in you. You're faithful and you will do it. Amen.
letter to the Hebrews tells us, after listing what a life of faithfulness and response to God looks like, gives us a practical, what does it look like for us? How do we do this? How do we live this way? And he says, let us therefore fix our eyes on Jesus, the beginner, the author, and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Hear it. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. How do we live this out? We fix our eyes on Jesus every single day, being reminded that he's been victorious over sin and death, that in him we have hope, in him we have all that we need, and in him we have life and life to the full. That's where our hope begins. That's what, our, that's what inspires our hope and instructs our hope. We fix our eyes on him. In light of that, would you sing these words? Remind ourselves of his goodness and his grace. There is no other so sure and steady. I hope is held in your When castles crumble and breath is fleeting, upon this rock I will stand. Upon this rock I will stand. Declare our loyalty to Him, Lord. Glory, glory, we have no other King but Jesus, Lord of Jesus is better, make my heart 
He's better. Sing it out. Every voice, Jesus paid it all. It's Jesus.
Jesus, we found something better. We found something that we can live for. We found something that we can that inspires us. We found something that changes us. And Jesus, we pray that that would be true of us today. We rejoice always. We would do, we would do good always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances because we've got hope in you. What more do we need? We love you, Jesus. We need you. We honor you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Hey, God bless you, Fellowship Sunday night. We're actually going to be off the next two weeks because of Thanksgiving break. And so if you'll be around Northwest Arkansas, you can check out our morning services. We'll see you right back here, COVID pending, uh, December 6th, the, the Sunday right before finals. We love y'all. Have a great night, everybody. Uh, head on out to the outside and hang, hang out out there. See y'all in two weeks. Love y'all.